just being thankful, like good positive energy. That's what we need. That's what 2020 should be, you know, and forever on, you know, positive positivity. Hello and welcome to Root and Bone, the podcast where we find chefs, cooks, critics, writers and anyone else we'd like to meet from UK food culture and persuade them to invite us round to their place. We ask them to make us some food that's important to them and while they cook for us, we talk. This week's episode features Chef M. Brightman. She's head chef at Murano, the fine dining Italian restaurant owned by Angela Hartner in London. And M is a force to be reckoned with. She's head chef at this Michelin-starred restaurant at just 29, and she's been cooking since she was 12 years old. Despite being told by one former boss that women were only good for pastry, she's now serving up some of the best Italian food in the country and running a crack brigade of chefs. She tells us about how she got started, about why Nonna's opinion still counts when it comes to Italian food, and her secret junk food favourites. Just a disclaimer, this episode was recorded just before the COVID-19 measures came into place. So excuse the corona reference in the middle. Uh, It'll make sense if you listen, I promise. Uh, So pull up a chair and join us as we have lunch with M. Brightman. I would never be this (laughs) organised at home. So we've got mise en place here. What's what's in it? We've got loads of cartons and pans already lined up for you to start cooking. Yeah. What are we looking at? What have we got here? Right. So we've got uh, some cavallo neuro here. Yeah. Uh, some carnoli uh, risotto rice, some rosemary, garlic, white wine, butter, chicken stock, and then uh, some lovely uh, uh, lamb rack. Uh, and then in the fridge, we've also got some parmesan and some more butter. Because I'm going to do a risotto, parmesan risotto, uh, with uh, Herdwick lamb rack for your lunch today. Oh, come <laughs> on. That sounds fantastic. Okay, <laughs> so, so what's going on here? Right, so I'm just uh, going to start the risotto off. So I've just basically got some uh, shallot confit. Uh, so basically we've just literally uh, done some shallot brumoise, so a nice fine uh, small dice. And we've literally just, um, we've cooked them out basically in a nice uh, olive oil and some uh, pomace oil, two, two different types of oil, uh, until they're really soft. And this is uh, this is the first thing that I get in the pan when I do the risotto. You want to get the shallots really nice and soft, really tender. No- Can I smell some, is there a vinegary note in that? There's uh, something sort of uh, acidic coming in, as in, in that, is I think that the it's oil? the, yeah, and the, uh, the shallot as well. So I'm just sort of, um, sort of it's already sort of cooked so yeah. i'm just sort of kicking it off i'm going to put a little bit of garlic in there as well um uh just to uh get that in at the beginning so it cooks nicely obviously it's more common now than it has been for a very long time would you still say it's relatively rare to be female head chef in a restaurant that is that has a female um exec chef and, and proprietor um yeah i mean <sighs> It's a difficult one because I think you kind of start to think more females are coming through and then some restaurants are here, they haven't got any. We've, we've got quite a few girls in the kitchen um, and it's really good because it does lower the sort of the testosterone with the guys. Um, and I think that having uh, more girls in the kitchen in the last recent years, what I've seen in that kitchen has definitely, you know, the guys that have been there, I feel honestly that they have definitely improved within having other females kind of around just like a mix uh, an all-girl kitchen probably wouldn't 
work as well as a mix. It works both ways. It's, I'm not just saying that it's, um, you know, a, a male-dominated kitchen, you know, be exactly the same if it was a female-dominated kitchen. Um, I think it works exactly the same. I think it's a good balance to have sort of, you know, a mixture of both. Like kind of, uh, again, like kind of any industry. You know, you can do the job. I'm happy for anyone to uh, to work of, of, of any sort of, you know, race, anything anything like that. It doesn't, doesn't matter to me. As long as you can cook nicely or you're willing to learn, I think that's the most important thing. So uh, in our restaurant, we have... Um, We've got quite a few female chefs. My sous chef's actually female as well. So there's Angela, me, and then the senior sous chef. So there's a there's a line of three of us who are actually females, which which is great. But you know, it doesn't really you know it doesn't really affect anything. It's just it just should just be normal. It shouldn't really be uh, yeah, sort of just shouldn't, shouldn't we? I sort of feel embarrassed about asking about oh, it. Oh no, because it, really <laughs> it shouldn't be an issue. I feel the same way. Yeah, but, but no, yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. It's not. It's it shouldn't be. But people do think it. You know, it is from from what I was saying a couple of years ago about how what I was told about you know only doing pastry. People there are you know chefs out there who maybe don't want women in their kitchen. I can't understand why, but I'm sure it's. Uh, you know, I'm sure it's uh, sort of going on. So let me just update everybody. So the risotto is having stock stirred into it. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, go on. I've just um, uh, sweat off the shallots, garlic's gone in, and then I've just toasted off the uh, the risotto rice, just, just to kind of release that starch, really. Uh, the, end, the end product will be um, nice and creamy if we do that. Uh, and then I've just uh, ladled in uh, some lovely chicken stock. Obviously, if you're not doing it with the lamb and you're doing a vegetarian one, you can just use a nice, um, uh, lovely vegetable stock. Uh, you can still make a nice risotto with it. I like to use chicken stock. Uh, and what's going on with the lamb? Uh, so the lamb, uh, lamb rack. Uh, so we've just prepped it, uh, taken the fat uh, and scraped the, uh, the bones or the sinew off. And basically, I'm just getting a beautiful caramelization on the uh, the cap, on the fat. Uh, and then I'm going to add the butter in in a minute. I'm just going to start butter roasting it. So and did you drain getting... the excess fat off it before so, yeah. so to make room for that butter that's about to go in? Yeah, pretty much. Just uh, to get keep the skin nice and crispy, you, you keep straining off your pan. It'll be the same if you're like cooking duck or something as well. Right. You, you keep kind of straining out the oil, which you can use for something else. There's lovely lamb fat there. You can use, you know, I'll probably put it in the cavalier or something. Um, and you just want to get a really nice golden caramelization on the lamb before um, you start putting uh, your butter in and you start, you know, penetrating that heat into it. Um, and then, yeah, just uh, ladling in... Um, chicken stock, uh, one ladle every sort of couple of minutes, uh, not adding it in all at the same time, just to make sure it doesn't go too, uh, too stodgy. And the rice that's in this risotto, tell me about that. Right, so this is a, uh, a carnoli um, uh, risotto uh, rice. So instead of using sort of like arborio rice like we used to, this one's a lot more delicate. Uh, it's a lot more of a longer sort of grain rice. Um, uh, it's it's delicious. It's for me. It's the best rice to use for sort of a, a slow cooking, adding rice at the end. Um, it's a lot lighter, more delicate. Is there less starch in it than in our Uh 
um, I don't know if it's sort of less starch. It's just it's a the aborio is kind of more of a long. Uh, sorry, the aborio is more of a sort of a short grain, uh, where this is sort of a bit of a longer uh, grain rice. And what so difference it does just, that make? Yeah. Well, basically, the, the shape holds better right. when you're cooking it. The aborio kind of almost turns into, um, you can almost kind of stick a, if, when you make a risotto with aborio or something, you can almost kind of stick a fork in it and leave the fork standing up in a bit, right. where it's so stodgy. But with this, people want kind of more delicate, um, more delicate, risottos now and stuff it's it's a lot lighter it's just it's more it's more nicer to eat right uh, it's not too you know you can have a nice bowl of risotto and not feel like you need to go and lie down after <laughs> and how much butter has gone into this uh, pan uh, so far? there's quite a, quite a lot of butter has gone into the lamb uh, what we're doing is we're butter roasting it so instead of putting it in the oven to cook we're going to penetrate that heat into it uh, in the pan old school so um, I think the flavour's much nicer cooking it like this. So we just got a bit of rosemary and a bit of garlic in there, uh, and then we're um, we're just literally butter roasting all over the uh, the lamb. Well, it goes without saying, and obviously this is hard to do over a podcast. But it does smell absolutely fantastic. It's a real sweetness <laughs> coming from the yeah. aroma of the butter as well yeah. as the as well as the sort of savoury scent of the. Absolutely, of the lamb. yeah. I mean, the lamb is uh, is uh, herd work. Uh, which um, is uh, from the Lake District, so it's from uh, Cumbria. Uh, for me, it's the best lamb uh, in the country, I think. It's delicious. It's really, really good. Um, we work really closely with sort of our meat suppliers and, um, you know, ensuring that, you know, we're getting the, the best, the most beautiful, the most ethical uh, produce. So um, it's delicious. It's really, really nice. So at Murano, you are cooking, at least on paper, you're cooking um, some of the finest and uh, sort of most respectful kind of Italian foods in London. Yeah. Right. So there's some, you know, there's some very traditional Italian dishes on the menu. Yeah. And there's some very technique heavy Italian dishes on the menu. I'm thinking like things like the tortellini in Brodo and, and yeah. things like that. How much do you or how much does Murano care about the... Um, the sort of the, the traditional values of all of that and how authentically it has to be done. Oh, absolutely. I think uh, you should always respect um, the all authenticity. How was it? Authenticity? Authenticity, yeah, that's it. I, I think you should always respect the authenticity of, um, of what you're doing. I mean, obviously, sometimes you want to sort of um, create, you know, you have a classic and you want to kind of play around with it a bit. But as long as I kind of see it, as long as like... Um, you know, a grandma or a nonna or something would sit down and have it and they can still taste um, what they feel it should be, then you've done it well. If you, you know, you try and reconstruct something and it's nowhere near as good as the original, you know, there's no point just because it looks good or just for, a, you know, an Instagram photo or something like that. It doesn't, it doesn't really make sense. So uh, I think it's really important um, that you, you respect that and you respect where it comes from and you try and honour it as if not better than kind of what it was before. I remember reading something a long time ago. I think it was a profile of, of, of Gordon Ramsay. Yeah. And he was talking about the fact that the, the more money your clientele have and the higher the kind of, the further into the fine dining echelons you go. Yeah. We're, like the smaller your profit margins get 
because absolutely everything has to be first class. Your linen, your crystal, oh, yeah. your cutlery, your, in, your ingredients. And, you know, which is why, I don't know, people move into hotel, get hotels to pay the bill. Or yeah. they make all their money off the wine list because to serve the highest quality food. Absolutely. Is that, a, what, tell That's me, definitely. what, tell me about the, the economics of that? Because it sort of sounds crazy on paper. Um, well, it's especially like a new, uh, a new restaurant, you want to... You know, it's 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 so important that you you kickstart it off well. Otherwise, you know, you're not going to have people coming back or talking. You need everyone talking about it. You need everyone loving it. You need you need to kickstart it off really well. So, I mean, it's and you want the best of everything. You want to use the best produce. You want to use the best suppliers for your meat, your fish, the freshest everything. It's just about. I guess sort of managing that properly and saving money, you know, where you can, you know, not being wasteful, being resourceful. You know, what can we use the tops of, you know, the leaks for? What can we, you know, just being really careful with where you can save money so that you can kind of, um, you know, not splash out, but you can use these these great suppliers with with the best of everything. So yeah, I think it's about that, just trying to save money in other other places and, and making sure your clientele. Are going to be able to pay for you know they're going to be able to fund i guess your restaurant or pay for pay for what you're putting on the plate if you're putting the best of everything on the plate you know people should be paying the right price for it you know a lot of people you know always think oh it's expensive this and that but you know do they understand what where it's come from do they understand you know that where that scallops come from who's you know there's been hand uh hand dived, you know, things like that. You know, these farmers have grown this. They've, you know, I think it's just trying to make people also aware of, you know, how um, how important things are. Has it changed the way you cook now, that, now that you're the boss? Um, I don't think I cook any differently. I've always been quite wary of waste and, um, you know, maximising stuff. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm, I'm better with it now. I think I've always been quite good with not wasting things. I haven't been brought up like that, you know. We, we, we weren't, I wasn't like spoiled as a kid and things like that. I've, you know, if at home my mum had made something and I didn't like it, I wouldn't eat. That's it. She wasn't then going to order us a pizza or something. She, right. she said, okay, well, don't eat. So it's kind of, I think, from, from my childhood, like from my mum and dad, how, how they are. I think it's been a big part of, well, how I am. So let's just have a look at this risotto now. So, so I've just... Um, uh, started monteing in the butter, so just beating in the butter. So we take it off the heat and we basically have nice cold diced butter uh, that we basically just beat in at the end, just so it doesn't sort of start splitting out. So I've just beaten the, um, monted in the butter, and then I'm just gonna add the Parmesan in now, and then we'll uh, be finishing up the... And when the Parmesan, is that gonna thicken things up a little bit? It's gonna make it nice and creamy. Obviously it's a Parmesan risotto as well, so uh, it's gonna add the flavor. Uh, we use a 24-month-year-old uh, um, uh, parmesan, uh, which is nice, sweet, salty, it's delicious. Uh, if you start getting any older than that, um, for a risotto, personally, I don't think it's that good because it's like more like umani. So there's 
there's more uh, flavors then going into that. So I would definitely recommend sort of like a two year max um, Parmesan for a risotto. Because you think the flavor is too strong after that. Yes, exactly. And then, it, uh, I mean, this will be uh, lovely. This age is beautiful. This is from um, uh, Parma, this uh, um, Parmesan. We use a company called the Ham and Cheese Company. And I think they actually um, went to about 400 different dairies before deciding on this one Parmesan. So they're very well researched and it is absolutely delicious. So, mm. so Is just, that a constant struggle to keep the quality of your supplies up when it's so important? I mean, it's important for every kind of cuisine, but particularly in Italian cuisine, where often the dishes are maybe... There are fewer ingredients in some classic Italian dishes. It's not quite so many um, fiddly things going on. Yeah, that's right. The quality of those ingredients, is it hard to maintain that? Um, I think if something's really simple on the plate, you should have the best of the best. You know, there's no covering around it. If you're going to do tortellini in a broth, it needs to be the best filling and the best broth because that's all, not like that's all you're giving. There's, you know, a labour of, you know, real love in, in, in that. But... It should be, simple things should be executed perfectly. Like, there's no hiding around anything. Cool. This all looks fantastic, by the way. Thank you. So, lamb's just resting? Yep, lamb's resting. I'm just going to flash that in the oven just before I carve it, just to whack a bit of heat back through it now, because obviously it's sort of started cooling down a little bit. Uh, the Cavallo Neuro's um, ready to go. Just going to add a little bit of sherry vinegar, just a little bit of acidity in there. Nice. Uh, and then the Parmesan risotto is all ready to go, so... God, that looks fantastic. I'll be ready to uh, to eat it. <laughs> so you seem, it sounds like you've basically spent your entire adult life in a kitchen in one way, oh, shape yeah. or form. Yeah, definitely. And did you ever give any thought to not being in there? Did you ever, ever want to quit, go and do something else? Um, oh, not, not really. I mean, there's been hard days at work, like with anyone, where you have a rubbish day and you're like, you know, why am I doing this? Or, you know, you, you do question things. Anyone who says they don't, you know, always have a perfect day at work and they absolutely love their job and they, you know, they're, they're lying. There's always, you get a couple of days or, you know, a day in a blue moon where you, you know, you think, oh God, I should have just worked in an office or I should have done this. But honestly, the older I've got, the, the less I've had that attitude. Like maybe when I was younger, I kind of thought, oh, maybe I just want to be doing nine to five, like my friends or something else. But honestly now, I'm, um, I never think it, I'm, I'm super happy at what I do. I love cooking. I just wouldn't be good at anything else. I honestly I don't know what I would do because I don't think I'd be very good at, at, at much else. I think I was kind of, as stupid as it sounds, but I think I was kind of born, this is what I was kind of born to, born to do. So you know, everyone in my family likes cooking as well. My brother's a, a really good cook and my mum as well. We love eating, we love food. I just can't see myself actually doing anything else. So there was times, definitely hard, hard times before, but uh, I'm quite happy now. <laughs> Mate, not as happy as me. I'm about to get fed this amazing <laughs> meal. Lovely. Um, Fantastic. It does smell great. Oh, right then. I'm going to plate up now then. Okay, so talk me through it. Right, so yeah, the uh, Carnoli Parmesan Risotto, uh, Cavallo Neuro. Uh, which is like an Italian um, kale. Um, yeah, it's quite bitter, right? Yeah, it's. I mean, I've added a little bit of sherry vinegar and I've just really slowly cooked it down in some uh, chicken stock and garlic. 
so it's not bitter anymore. It's quite sweet now, so oh, okay. um, it'll go really nicely with uh, you know the saltiness of the parmesan and the delicateness of the lamb. So. Um, yeah, I hope you like it anyway. Um, um, well, so yeah, we have a constant sort of debate about this because obviously you must have this a lot. So no one can ever really say to anyone that's cooked them something that they don't like it or that they don't think that it's any good. But can you tell when someone is just pretending? What, pretending to like something they've cooked? No, pretending or? to like something that you've cooked when really oh, they don't. Um... I don't know if I've ever experienced that. No, I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> it's never happened. <laughs> ever made a complete pig's ear or something important? Oh, yeah, must have done, especially as like a commie. My God, yeah. I mean, nothing that I can think of um, to head. Um, I don't think I've ever done anything really, really stupid. Um, but I've, you know, I've, I've overcooked stuff. I've undercooked stuff. I've, it's all just part of, you know, growing as a chef. You know, you need to make these mistakes to be able to learn from them. So... You know, it's it's all a learning curve. Any no mistake is is a mistake in a, in a sense. It's all a learning curve. Just having that attitude on it. But yeah, if I've made mistakes, I'm not perfect. You know, I still I'll make mistakes now. Even as a head chef, we're all human. You know, it's um, it's just how you deal with it. And do the staff <laughs> how you get, cover it up? Do, yeah, do the staff get the same reaction from you in the um, middle of the service? When they, when my they mistakes. Make this? I don't think my mistakes are ever quite as bad as. Uh, it's some of the stuff uh, people do in my kitchen sometimes, but no, they're great. They're uh, they're good guys, so um, I can't. I really can't complain. Cool. Shall I carve the lamb? Please do. Yeah. So I've just um, we've just uh, tied it as well, just so you can you can almost see the line down there where the string's been, just so you can get a nice clean cut of the bone. And is that uh, still important on a relatively small piece? Yeah, like I would. I just again, it's just sort of something that. I would always do on like a you know eight bone rack or something. So I just do it on a small piece as well, yeah, just to make sure it doesn't um, sort of curl in. So right. uh, yeah, we've got a, it's nice and caramelised. Um, it's all been butter roasted, rosemary, garlic, uh, and I just flashed it back through the uh, through the oven just to get a bit of heat back into it. And then uh, it's all about just carving it nicely, nice bit of modern sea salt, and then we'll just put it on top of the risotto and the cavallineiro, and then you guys are gonna. Get stuck in. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, shall we? Yep. Whoa, looks amazing. <laughs> right. Thank you. I might have one piece actually. I think you probably should. <laughs> Where would you go then if you're if you've got if you've got a night off or if, like Name some of your favourite places. If you're going out for fun, where are you going? Going out for food. Uh, I mean, I love... Um, there's a Chinese restaurant in um, in Bayswater uh, actually called uh, New Fortune Cookie. And that's really good. Um, and it's uh, Chinese food. I kind of like to eat stuff on my days off that I really don't cook. Um, so a lot of Asian places, dim sum, ramen, uh, all things like that, basically. Things that, yeah, things that I won't cook at work and then every so often you know once a month or something we'll always go to a, a like a michelin star restaurant or you know something and you know again it's good for inspiring for sort of ideas and things like that so you sort of professionally obliged to succeed i know i want well i mean i want to um but i want to go out and eat in different restaurants so it's i don't feel obliged no like angela would never be like oh why haven't you gone to a michelin star restaurant this month because, you know, money again, you have to be um, wary of it. But, but yeah, I like to go and have uh, 
There's also this place on Labrador Grove called uh, Fez Mangal, and that's like Turkish barbecue. Again, nothing we cook at the restaurant, but delicious, really delicious food. So, um, all right, see so this looks guys. absolutely delicious. And <laughs> sorry if it's uh, got a bit cold, but no, don't worry. It's um, doesn't come across on podcast whether it's warm or cold. You, you <laughs> go over it. So the way the parmesan, the saltiness in the parmesan risotto, mm. Mm. with the um, with the saltiness of the butter roasted, those flavours really kind yeah. of come together. You I yeah. think it would be sort of doubling down on mm. the savouriness, but it really works. That's fantastic. Because you've got kind of a slight gaminess in the lamb as well. So, you know, kind of, I think all the flavours go quite nice. And there's a bit of acidity in the Cavallo Nuro, so. Um, wow. I mean, I like risotto with, you know, with meat or even with fish. Um, but on its own, it's as equally as delicious. So. That is a really harmonious mm. plate of food. That is all really, really tying together. It's almost impossible to talk about this stuff without sounding like a twat. But it, it, <laughs> it, 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 that is absolutely fantastic. I would I always think there's a bit of a tension, especially if you're doing something for a, a wealthy clientele. Mm. Because obviously there's a there's a certain actually like the customer is always right, mm. or you're trying to be the you know you're trying to give the best service you possibly can, mm. but everyone's got to decide where to draw the line between that and you can't talk to anybody in here that way and you have to leave. Yeah, it's a very difficult decision maybe to have to make. Um, I guess that's just why I'm in the kitchen cooking and I have <laughs> I have people out in the front because I don't think I could. I don't know how well I'd be able to cope with some of the stuff that, you know, guests might say or think, thing, you know, because a lot of people think they're like a food critic now. You know, a lot of people have different opinions on things, but, you know, I, I doubt any of them have actually, not food critics, but I doubt any of these people that who, you know, think they are, have actually done like a day in the kitchen mm. or like know any more, you know, they should. You know, I think all food critics should have at least a day in the kitchen and see what you know, what's kind of going on without just having to sit there, eat something and make judgment on it. And especially people that that isn't their profession. They just have a couple of followers on uh, their social media. And then suddenly they think that they can make a comment about, you know, your portion size or, you know, the, the amount of uh, however it is or the menu or something like that. And I don't think people really think about it. I think they just think they can say what kind of what they've what they want, which I guess they're entitled to, but you should have some sort of knowledge and a backing of what you're saying, not just, oh, I didn't like that because you, that shouldn't be like that, or, you know, you should be able to back an answer with, you know, what what you're saying. So don't take us for granted because if all the restaurants close down and you can't cook, what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> you, you've got no choice. So, you know, and hospitality, you know, we're all working long hours, you know, a lot of places are open seven days, working Christmas, especially restaurants and hotels and stuff like that. You know, be be mindful of that, that you're getting, you know, you're always getting your Christmas, your bank holidays and everything else like that. It's not going on in our industry. We're there cooking for you lot who, you know, which again, we're all happy. We love doing what we're doing, but I think it's just, just being thankful, like good positive energy. That's what we need. That's what 2020 should be you know, and forever on, you know, positive, positivity. 
How did you make that acid. stock? Did you bring it from the restaurant? Yeah, so at the restaurant we um we have uh, wings and carcasses, chicken. Just like bring them up to the boil, um, pass it off. Just get rid of all the scum and the uh, residue. Um, bring it back up to the boil and basically add in a mirepoix, leeks, celery, onions, loads of thyme, bay leaf, um, some uh, white peppercorns. Uh, and then we basically just cook it on like a simmer uh, overnight pretty much. So for about eight hours, uh, we'll leave it on just before we go home. And then as soon as we come in, give it a good skim and pass it off really. So yeah, this is the, the chicken stock from um, uh, from work, how we, we make our own there. So yeah, it's nice. Yeah, there's, there's always a pot of. Um, uh, I've, I have a friend who's had a couple of restaurants in Brighton who showed me how to cook it all down to mm. jelly. Yeah. So you've always got a tub in the fridge and it's one spoonful yeah. and you can rehydrate it or you can just yeah. chuck it in as jelly as a as, kind of. Yeah, exactly. As a glaze over a, a, a piece of meat or something. Yeah. And it was, it was a revelation. So there's always something like that in my fridge now because you can make, yeah, you can make risotto with just the stock. Yeah, you from could scratch just. And it's going to be good. Yeah. Um, it's not the greatest weapon. It's just to have stock. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, re- I'm really trying not to be, particularly on this. I'm trying not to be um, sort of a food snob. Yeah. And I'm trying not to be kind of too judgmental. I'm sort of hoping, present company accepted, that we're going to go around to a chef's house one day and I'm going to say, look, cook is something that really means something to you. Yeah. And it's going to be like Heinz tomato soup with a bit of milk in it. And some cheese and crackers. On the, you know I mean? on the notes I had as well, it said, oh, you can make a cheese toasty if you want, as long as there's a story behind it or something. And I was like, and I was thinking, like, I don't know if anyone's actually done a cheese toasty. But I was thinking, but how are you going to talk for, like, 90 minutes about a cheese toasty? Like, <laughs> but, I mean, it's a fair, it's a, it's, I, I, get, I guess the idea of it is, is it can be super simple. But I think it would be funny if someone, you know, uh, you actually went around and they'd just gone, right, it's ready now. Yeah. The cheese toasty is because my mum used to make them. Yeah, and then it's like, oh, <laughs> it's quite well, there, funny. There, I mean, are there any? Are there any? Like, if I, not that I'm going to, but if I were to start poking around in the cupboards yeah. in here, would I find like frazzles and um, like, no, I, m- I think and stuff? the most thing I think the only <coughs> thing we have is um, oh, is noodles, but um, they're they're delicious. These instant noodles, the ramen um, noodles. I think that's the only thing that is you take out the packet, you put it in. Water, and then we've got kimchi, which is homemade. So, I think that's not the really only that much thing. of a guilty secret. I honestly don't think that there's there's um, sort of much else that I mean, baked beans don't count, do they? No, no. So, uh, you know, uh, I don't really think that we have anything that's. I'm going to poke around in the fridge. No, have a look. Yeah, see if I can find anything bad. See, I might be, I might be a bit judgmental about the Corona, but that's, but I'm a the what the a, Corona? Yeah, I'm a bit of a, yeah, <laughs> they I'm were a, gifts. I'm actually. a tosser about the beer, so uh, we'll we'll let you off. Homemade kimchi, come on, mate, that's pretty chefy. I don't that's think pretty yeah. good. No, I, you, you're, 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 pa- you're passing with think. like flying colours. Yeah, there's I, not even there's not even ketchup in here. No, no. I don't like ketchup. That's don't one thing I don't like. That's it. <laughs> What's going on in here? What's this? Uh, that's a, a homemade. Well, we didn't make that, but that's a homemade chilli sauce, like jerk. Okay, do you mind if I, so, can I yeah, just have a little, yeah, so yeah. I'm holding like a disposable plastic water bottle with a, <laughs> a slightly terrifying looking brown sort of sludgy liquid <laughs> in it. Oh man. Yeah. Oh, proper jerk seasoning. Yeah, better, that's good. You can take that if you want. Oh no, 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 no. I wouldn't dream of it. Look, that's, that's gold. I've you, got a lot. So we've, I've got more at work. So if you want to take some, oh, you can, man, honestly. Are you kidding? Yeah, no, it's fine. Take oh. some. It's, it's spicy, yeah? Okay, well, I'm going to have so, to just. 
be careful with it. Wow. Fucking hell. That is... <laughs> yeah, it's... That's uh, amazing. It's super spicy. So, That's but yeah, so honestly, take it. I've got, I've Are you kidding? Got, yeah, we've got a big oh, thing mate, this work. is going to get pride of place in my hot sauce collection. Our um, restaurant uh, director, her husband, um, makes big batches of it. So she brings in like a big bit and I just spread it out for the guys. So yeah. it's, uh, it's really good. It's really spicy, but it's... Mm. it's Delicious if you like not, a bit of kick. Not, not splashing that on a plate of Murano anytime soon. No, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but yeah, no, I don't think there's. No, you've done, not... you done pretty well. I think but we are going to add this feature, I think, from now on. If people let me, I think we're going to start poking around in the kitchen. Yeah, I think that's it. quite cool. Yeah, yeah we'll, uh, hopefully I'm going to find, you know, um, something really terrible in someone's car. Yeah, <laughs> you will, really definitely. Good. I saw some crunchy nut clusters, but I think we'll let you get away with that. Crunchy, yeah, cereal. Yeah, cereal was fine. Cereal, I think just those packet noodles, and they're not the pot, pot noodle ones. No. So, and there's no yeah. microwave. We don't have a microwave. I so. really hope we go on one day and someone's actually just sort of in the middle of like hiding it in, <laughs> in the cupboard. Or just putting your dinner in the microwave like, oh, I did this risotto earlier. Just yeah, 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 yeah. That'd be great. Or it just turns up from a, like on the back of a motorbike. Someone just yeah, lifts a that, cloche. Or that potato, uh, that mashed potato you're talking about, they just take it out and they're like, what would you do? <laughs> I would, I would. Would you mention it? Oh, 100%, yeah. You, you want to talk about all of it? Because yeah. if, if the story's good enough, like, you know, I really don't Yeah, mind. I suppose. Some people like that uh, cheap um, custard because it reminds them of their childhood. The, um, what's the Burs. name of it? Ambr um, um, ambrosia. ambrosia. Yeah. Oh, it's disgusting. It's I'm, absolutely disgusting. I'm not a custard guy, so none of it's nice I'm to me. I'm not a massive custard fan, but uh, I mean, especially out of microwave. It's like powder, isn't it? And then you mix it with water and put it in the microwave. It's oh, disgusting. Yeah. Don't I don't think there's anything particularly... Yeah, just those packet noodles that... Um, I do often like a cheeky Nando's. That's right. probably the um, the sort of fast food um, shouldn't do. But I think it's one of the better ones, I think. Personally. It's pretty consistent, isn't it? It is you... very consistent. And they do a lovely spicy um, uh, like chilli sauce as well. Their hot piri-piri one sauce is really good. So, But apart from that, I'm, I think I'm quite good with um, with what what I eat so that's definitely down to my mum as well she was, we never had a lot of uh, like sweets and chocolate when we were kind of growing up just like on like a Saturday or something so was she a cook from scratch kind of person yeah she's um, she's really good actually she's always um, cooking home they never go out and eat the only time they go out and eat is if they come to like Murano which is like once in a blue moon so she's, she's always cooking like casseroles and I always get a little different cookbook um, for Christmas um so there's a pretty always... impressive cookbook collection yeah, going on here it's very big that actually and it keeps expanding because every month i buy like three different books so do you I get time to try... read it yeah because well because i normally get three days off i normally dedicate one day to like not working still but uh reading writing dish ideas and stuff like that because this is the best time for me to do it uh, as opposed to at work if i try and sit down and write a menu I just keep people. People keep coming up, getting me to taste things, or ask me questions or something, and just go away. <laughs> just leave me alone. I'm, I need to write this menu, so I don't do it. I don't really do it at work anymore. I just come on my day off. I just um, get the books out, start having a little read, and uh, just kind of get inspired for sort of dishes like that. But yeah, there's quite a lot of. Um, it's a good collection now. It's great. It keeps growing. So <laughs> I think maybe maybe you've got. Good Cookbook in you, you think? Um, Ever thought about that? Yeah, well, I think uh, that's uh, cookbook would be something that I would do. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, because it's it's nothing like a TV competition or program, anything like that. So, 
Yeah, I think I think that especially when you start your own restaurant or something, it's good to if it's getting built or anything like you know taking photos of the whole process of how it's become what it has. I think it's a great story. So yeah, that, that I think I would definitely be interested in doing something like that. So Angela's got a couple of books. I think she's thinking about doing another, a third one. So um, again, there's someone else there to sort of seek advice off and you know ask what how you would you know how you would go about doing something like that. But at the moment, uh, no, it wouldn't wouldn't work for me at the moment. I'm not um, <laughs> I'm not established enough to uh, to have my own book. No one will buy it. It'd just be like my <laughs> mum and dad. <laughs> so uh, maybe you guys, you never know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, definitely uh, do something like that. So I uh, just wanted to say, look, thank you for having us over. Yeah, oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you for cooking this meal from scratch and, yeah. and serving it to us. And, and thanks for being on the Root and Bone podcast. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much to Em for having us over and cooking that amazing meal. I don't think I can hear the phrase butter roasted anymore without my mouth flooding with saliva. It was absolutely delicious. Uh, Thanks so much for listening too. If you've enjoyed this episode, if you've got suggestions for who else we might be talking to, then please do get on the Instagram, get on the social, get on the Twitter and let us know at Root and Bone. There will be more episodes coming soon. Again, apologies for the quality of this outro. I'm recording this at home instead of being in the studio because of COVID-19. But if you have a food business that you'd like to get a shout out because you're changing the way you work in this crisis, then get in touch with Root & Bone and tell us that you've turned into a grocery or a wine shop or that you're doing special delivery if you're in the hospitality industry and you want somebody to talk to you about what's happening right now we recommend the pilot light campaign run by chef andrew clark and some of his partners so look out for them and lastly you know thanks very much uh, for listening i hope you're enjoying it please do like and subscribe if you are there'll be more episodes coming soon so thanks for joining us once again on root and bone <laughs>